0: Uh, friends, my name is Andy Maddock. I'm lead pastor here, and it's a blessing to be among you. Uh, we gather this morning around a story uh, of uh, who God is in our lives and how our lives can be pleasing to God, living the manners of faith. But we'll get to that in just a minute here. Uh, instead, let's uh, take just a minute to settle in and join in a word of prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks for who you are and who we are as we gather in this place. Move among us. Shape us. Help us to know your work, your will, your life, and what is pleasing to you all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So again, we're in the middle of a new series. We left Fred Rogers behind. We're now in mind your P's and Q's, the manners of faith. So our new series is about this idea of minding our P's and Q's, the manners of faith, how we behave ourselves. And as you see on the scrabble board on the wall, we have these ideas that are foundational we're taught them at kitchen tables, we're taught them in public school classrooms about how we might show respect to others, to our elders, and to God. We start today with please, and I'm, I'm so pleased to be able to say that we're going to bookend this with the kids of our church preaching on thank you for our kids' Zone Sunday coming up. Uh, uh towards the end of the month here and in between we'll get to you're welcome and i'm sorry these are four principles that i think are very helpful uh, to manage to understand in our relationships one with another and our relationship with god i think they're a part of god's gospel expectation for us but when i pitched the idea of the series in worship team and in staff there was a little bit of confusion and they asked well what do you mean by mind your p's and q's and i thought it meant one thing so I want to start with the question, church. This is the audience participation portion. And if you're watching at home, please, I want to know. Type in in the YouTube comments, the Facebook comments, the, the, the MySpace comments. What else are we on right now? I don't know. Type in and let us know your answer to the following question. What did or does, if you're still using it, what did mind your P's and Q's mean in your house? Probably growing up or if you're a parent like me and you used it in your house, what did it mean? I want to hear answers from you. What did it mean here in the house? Mind your manners. What else? See some head nodding. Anything else that meant to you? Be careful. Tactful. Oh, what a fantastic word. Be tactful. Oh, I bet my parents wish I'd learned that one early. Goodness gracious. Be tactful. Any other thoughts? Huh? Respectful. Polite. Absolutely. These are helpful for me. Because I I, I think my staff had spent time on Wikipedia Googling this because their recollections were very different. You see, back in the 1700s, mind your P's and Q's was a reference that bartenders would use as a way of talking about mind your pints and quarts. And if you're misbehaving or you're a little deep in your whiskey, I'm going to look right over here at the praise band section, then a bartender might say to you, mind your pints and quarts, mind your P's and Q's, you're getting out of hand. And if you don't stop it out on your keister, you'll go. You fast forward a little bit to what I tend to think of in this regard has to do with typesetting and learning to write. So if you're using an old printing press that you have to roll the ink out on and then you press the paper onto it, the letters are backwards. If you wanted to recreate this, if you have a typewriter in your home, you can look into it and see that the letters there are backwards because they're imposed on the paper. The, uh, kids, a typewriter is that thing that we used to use before an iPad helped us send emails. You just have to either write down or type out letters. And speaking of writing, if you've looked at my sermon notes in the app today, it's got this P, Q, B, and D in the corner because that was a struggle for me when I learned how to write, making sure the stick went up or down in the right place. I always had to think of bed anytime I was going to write a B or a D and think of those banisters and say, okay, B, E, D, got it. And to learn that directional thing. If you're not careful, if you're not tactful and direct about how you set the type font, you might be inviting somebody to, you know, please de-buy it rather than please be quiet. So you need to pay attention to that. In our house, it had that classical legacy of politeness because it was a mnemonic tool to help us remember your please and your thank yous. P is in please and k- the Q sound of thank you being a part of our understanding as mad at kids growing up. Mind your please and thank yous and be polite. Uh, when my stepmom entered our family, God bless Marilyn, uh, as she came to us, I, I firmly believe that she thought my brother Jason and I were raised in kind of a Lord of the Flies context—that uh, somewhere we had a conch shell that was the only thing that governed our behavior. Um, because after a little while of dining with us, Marilyn showed up with a laminated card that we all received. It was the Matic Manners. Now it's going to be very small on the screen, so I'm going to run through these, but I wanted to just show you this exists. I didn't make this up. The yellowing you see is like now 20-year-old laminate that is decaying into yellow, but we were handed this as a rule of law for our household and how we were going to behave at tables together. Rule number one, napkins belong in your lap. Rule number two, do not eat with your mouth open. Number three, do not talk with food in your mouth. Number four, all the food on your fork goes in your mouth at once. Apparently, my brother and I were notorious for taking our potatoes like half a bite at a time and pulling it out like an ice cream cone. (laughs) Friends, rules only exist because at least one person had blown it before. (laughs) I want you to picture the inverse of the Maddox Manners and, you know, kind of the raucous household that she inherited as a stepmom. Not my sister, mind you. By all accounts from her, she's perfect um (laughs) rule five do not burp at the table rule six do not fart at the table rule seven do not leave the table unless you are excused were you excusers in your house did you may i please be excused from the table some head nodding that happened where you were apparently we were just wandering off into the ether at our leisure and pleasure number eight do not use your fingers to assist in eating unless finger food is being served Apparently the way to get peas to your mouth was to take a spoon and then with the other hand help to ladle those to your food hole. Number nine, elbows do not belong on the table. Number 10, do not bring animals to the table. (laughs) I thought she knew about my pocket tarantula, but it turns out I asked about this one. We had a brand new puppy by the name of Biscuit that my brother and I would sneak to the table and give food under the table and that just wasn't working out. And so that had to be a rule. There are two that are unlisted, but were primarily enforced for Jason and I as well. One is no hats at the table, and the other is you have to wear a shirt to the table, because we'd come in off the soccer field or the playground, and we'd just strip out of our sweaty clothes, and we'd sit down for the meal provided. So all of these, at the bottom of Matic Manners, it says, fine, 25 cents each occurrence to be paid at the end of the meal, and that was enforced. We'd have to go to our room and collect from our allowance, our penance for the misdeeds that were tracked and pointed out. And I got to tell you that for the ladies in the house, my stepsister, my sister, and my stepmom, it was always fun catching us and figuring out what kind of tally we were going to run that day. And I'll confess to you, church, that there were some days where I'd had it rough where I'd just show up with 50, 75 cents, slap it down on the table and say, this going to be a rough one. Be ready. These were not Cinderella-esque expectations. This wasn't clean the fireplace. This was an attempt to reinforce for my silly, goofy, ADHD-driven brother and myself, who is always squirrelish, to have some baseline of behavior, some mark that we could set and know who we are and who we are meant to be. Mind your manners, mind your P's and Q's, and today we're going to talk about the power of please pleases is an idea that has to do with inviting the pleasure of the other. When you say, would you please pass the salt, what you are in fact asking in terms of the lexicon of our language is, would you pass me the salt if it is pleasurable for you to do so? If it is not, if it is inconvenience, it's now not the right time, then do not. It is not a demand of necessity that says, give me salt. It is invitational that says, if it is pleasing to you to do so, Would you? Please has a unique place in our experience. It talks about satisfaction and contentment if something suits you in a pattern of behavior. It is one of those words in our respect and tactfulness between one another that allows us to engage in an invitational pattern in our relationship. We see it a little better in some of our foreign languages because their words for please retain that pattern. S'il vous plait in French, if you please. Por favor, for favor, for your favor, for your desire. Or even par favore in in Italian, whatever the case might be. These reminders, maybe you've got a, a language you've learned or a part of your background where you'd see that just as clearly. I'd love for you to share that with me later. These are interactions that invite that sense of pleasure and benefit to the other. It's a fascinating way to look at the world if we hold tenderly as a part of our practice, our manners, our life of faith the need and pleasure of the other. But the question I have for you this morning as we start church is this. Should we say please to God? Should we say please to God? It's an interesting idea. And I think in the pattern of my life in prayer, I'm beginning to work on that. And some of that has a lot to do with our gospel passage for this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me, but I'll read it for you. It comes from Matthew chapter 7. It reads in this way ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you now i assume that matthew as a scribe was responsible but that what he left out is that in parentheses jesus said only if you know the magic words pretty please ask seek knock for everyone who receives For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if your son or daughter asks for bread, will give them a stone, or if they ask for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil, noted, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You heard at the end of that, this golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do that which is pleasing to others, that you might have that power of please reinforced in you. And this sense for me is this urgency about how we pray, how we ask, how we seek, how we knock. So oftentimes, our pattern of discipleship and our life of faith is rooted in the ASAP mentality. Not if you please, but as soon as possible. And I know I've prayed that way. I know I've made those bargains, those concessions, those contract negotiations at trade deadlines. Oh, back when I was in school, it was tests I wasn't ready for. When I married, it was when my family was urgently sick or when i was worried about our pregnancy with maddie as grandparents and parents age it's prayers for their health heal them oh god but do it now we become an asap people in our relationship with god rather than i think oftentimes saying please not because we think that god is not pleased with our health and our wholeness but that sense of invitation and interaction is sometimes absent from our engagement. We do that between one another. I hope that we can, as a church, begin to model please a little bit more in the community that surrounds us. As we interact, as we move past, as we need to say something valuable but not preached on in this series, something like, excuse me. And have that be a means by which to put the needs of the world before our own. You see, some of my prayers these days have had to shift. Because God hasn't responded to my urgent demands for ASAP. Do it the way I want it, in the time that I want it. Seems that I act and behave at the will and pleasure of God. So they ought to be inviting that. I pray for the health and wholeness of this person. For the miraculous healing that you may very well have in store, but in all things that your will be done, that there will not be mistakes, that there will not be misdiagnosis, that everything that we on this side of eternity and humanity know how to do will be done and be done capably so, so that you might be a part of that process. We as a people need to abandon some of that as soon as possible urgency. We need to live into that invitational sense of please. We're entering into the fourth quarter of this year. It's the first of October. Welcome to it. Time is flying by in this year for me. I have this blurry open period called COVID days. And then even the year and a quarter that we've spent together has just rushed by. It seems like a movie in front of my eyes and the busyness of life. But here we are in the fourth quarter of 2023. It's a chance for us to ask questions about our life, our relationship, how we're doing with our living, with our thriving. Are we the kind of people that we imagined back in January being when we set some good sense and order to our resolutions, our hopes and promises? Are we giving the way that we thought we would? Or is the fourth quarter the chance to do a little more? Much happens in the fourth quarter of sports games, unless you're the Denver Broncos last week. Sorry, I got a bunch of family. I have a bunch of family in Denver. I know where the, you know, the the Wilson's family stands on that and the Johnson's. My apologies. As we enter the fourth quarter of the year, it's a chance to rise to the occasion, to do what we can with what we've got, to say this is not a season in life that we're abandoning to anything else. No, rather, what will we do with the last 100 days of this year? What will we do with the last 13 Mondays till it's Christmas? What will we do with our time and our lives? That will be pleasing to god and pleasing to ourselves well today that fourth quarter starts with world communion sunday with a chance for table fellowship for a chance to consider what it means to be a people of please from around the world to use these different ideas of what please looks like sivu play porfavor kalish mukanam bitter plötz whatever the one that fascinates me most is that old english word pray shakespeare used that pray tell me your decision pray show me your sword it was an invitation and opportunity in the word itself pray to invite to encourage someone to do something to say something to be something but it's a part of our pattern as well what if we turned to god and said pray show me your way Pray, fill me with your love. Pray, show me where to show it to others. Hmm. In that spirit of please, in that spirit of gratitude, from this table and those around the world, we have the chance to come, to be the people of God, and to share the bread of life with each other. To give to God our good gifts, yes, but to receive back these simple gifts of bread and cup, not just as carbohydrates, but as a symbol of the depth of God's love, sacrifice, and passion for us, and what God may be able to do with us in what comes next. As our praise band comes up for our next gift of music, would you join me in a word of prayer?